Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Needs Some Introduction. In today's episode, we're going to mostly be discussing the sixth episode after a one-week hiatus. We're back with the sixth episode of Yellow Jackets, an episode called Key. Qui, Key. I'm not pronouncing that in my French. Terrible. But basically, that means who in French, by the way, who. Mm. So maybe we can talk about how that relates to this episode. A couple of show notes and a little bit of news I wanted to talk about briefly. One is that I had mentioned I was going to review the show Silo, that's on Apple TV+, Plus, a sci-fi mystery starring Rebecca Ferguson. And the first two episodes premiered last night. I'm very intrigued by this. It's based on a series of books. And from what I can see, has already by episode two digressed from the story in the book. So it should be interesting even for people who are familiar with it. And I really liked it. I thought it was very evocative. The mystery is unfolding very slowly, but it creates such a sense of a place here in this futuristic world that uh, I think is really interesting. I will be pursuing it from week to week, watching it and reviewing it here. Don't have space here. I think this conversation is going to be pretty long. So I do plan to put that out sometime next week, probably around Wednesday. And then once Yellow Jackets wraps up, I will probably ship, shift those recap episodes probably into this slot right after they premiere on Apple TV+. Plus. So if you are curious about that show, stay tuned for that later next weekend throughout its run. Not really your cup of tea, Sona, so I don't know if I would recommend it to you, but you might get into it. I would say <laughs> if you want to sample it, this is a bunch of people who do not know, like they've literally grown up inside of this silo buried deep underground. They are told that the outside world is toxic. They can choose to leave at any time. They can see through cameras that the outside world appears to be toxic. There's a whole conspiracy theory that this is not the case. It starts to unravel pretty early in the course of the show. Our lead protagonist pretty much dies within the first couple episodes, but Rebecca Ferguson, who is the real protagonist of the series, uh, gets introduced pretty quickly as well. Not really a spoiler considering the direction the show goes in and that that character comes back in flashbacks as well. So the story is told in a very interesting way. The world has these rules that are very intriguing. Like It really makes you wonder why people would control a society this way. And it makes you ask all these questions about the people who go along to get along, the people who doubt everything. And like kind of the truth is somewhere in between. So it's it's very interesting. It really deals with these ideas, how you control people and how people control themselves, right? Or accept their place in a very limited society. And just the way that they grow their food and the technology that they are and are not allowed to have. And then the overall mystery, all of it's really well-developed it's being disclosed in an interesting way where it's just kind of introducing it as you get introduced to these characters, the jobs they have within the, the culture. So it's interesting. It's very interesting. And uh, I do recommend check it out. Yeah. I mean, any kind of post-apocalyptic dystopian blah, blah is not really my thing, but I appreciate your interest in it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like into the Hunger Games, but with much less action, this is not an action show. I want to be clear about that. It's really more of a mystery show. Hmm. And Rebe Rebecca Ferguson, as usual, is very intense, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very attractive in that role. That was my brief intro there. Oh, the news I wanted to bring up, of course, is the writer's strike started this week. I, we thought they were going to avert it. This is interesting for the perspective of what we've been speaking about in the past about streaming. And the reason for the writer's strike is because of streaming. You can imagine that mm -hmm. just years ago, just a staff writer on Seinfeld or something for 10 years, try to get your pilots bought and you could try to start new shows. And you really could live off of these residuals off of Seinfeld. Because if you ever worked on one successful show, it shows up on NBC, and then it gets rerun on NBC, then it gets rerun you know, over the years on NBC, then it shows up in syndication. You probably watched it at 11 o'clock at night uh, on WPIX like I did. <laughs> there, you, you know, there's the reruns like the home improvement reruns that we would watch at dinner time or when we got home from school. So these things just ran in reruns and that's how the contracts were written. And now think about it. You go to Netflix and you're in the writer's room and they break the story. Apparently, I wasn't even aware about this until recently, but the writers are not around during the production of the show. Maybe this is why some shows really seem to fall apart while we're watching them. They don't have the writers on set anymore. They send them home after the the scripts are written. They shoot everything. And then, of course, Netflix never pays these people again because there's no such thing as reruns. This is just on Netflix forever in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. They're not, they don't have some kind of deal where they're like, you get this much depending on the number of streams. And that could be six months of streams, or it could be something that is a sleeper that streams indefinitely. And not only that, imagine that you have one of these syndication contracts that was very successful for you, like for example, Seinfeld or Friends. And now Friends is exclusively on 
uh, a, uh, Peacock, right? I think it's on Peacock. And Seinfeld is exclusively on Netflix, right? So all that syndication money is gone because now it's only on streaming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this has completely disrupted that business. And in that way, I'm sympathetic to the writers. But of course, streaming has also created double or triple the number of shows that get produced every single year. So a lot of these writers had jobs where they didn't have them before. And simultaneously, these streamers are all losing <laughs> huge amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Right? Just this week, Paramount announced that they went from $300 million in profits last quarter to a billion dollars in losses this quarter, even though they picked up new subscribers to their streaming. And of that money, about half of it was losses on streaming. So they have to pay for this content. It's expensive. They're creating a lot of shows. Only a small percentage of them are hits. So this is a very difficult circumstance. The contracts need to be rewritten. If they all go broke, these writers won't have any jobs at all, right? So mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's always the problem with a union situation. And uh, we're going to start seeing this in our content. Just one example was Hacks. The show was two episodes away from completion, was about to premiere this summer. This uh, summer. The showrunners on the show are members of the guild and day one stopped working and that show's been shut down. So it's not only impacting scripts that will not be produced next year, shows that were about to premiere are not complete and they've all been shut down. So that is a, a problem for this podcast. <laughs> Although there's so many, <laughs> there's so many shows. <laughs> there's so many shows that we haven't watched that we can always go back and right. watch because people, people will be looking for something to watch. So we do have a huge backlog to go through. Yeah, and we'll see how that all unfolds. I honestly don't think it can last very long considering just the realities of the business. If these streamers are losing money, if they don't have content, then they're definitely going to go out of business. That's just how it works. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into this episode. In my notes, by the way, Sona, I started with the flashback, which is what I normally do. But I think given the way this story unfolds, I want to kind of save that because it's pretty grim and I have some major problems with the way that story unfolded. And maybe you have those issues as well. So let's start in the present tense where... Things are much more fun and not as grim. Sure. So Misty enters the commune. She meets with Charlotte. I like how she meets this new character. What's this guy's name? Oh, I don't know. The one who takes her phone? Yes. He turns up a few times in this episode. (laughs) He's a very fun character. I hope he comes back again. And I love how she has to unburden herself before she goes in there. (laughs) What's going on? The the amount of stuff she puts into this Oh my gosh, the brass knuckles. The brass knuckles. Handcuffs? (laughs) Oh, misty. Binoculars, some very fancy binoculars, a syringe and a vial. Is this the same syringe, by the way, that oh, she used to question. poison? And was she planning in the pinch to have to use that against uh, Walter? <laughs> One more point here I really enjoy is that she puts the phone in there and you notice the text messages from Walter. You notice later on, he goes, so what was up with mm-hmm. Walter? So he, he's checking her phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. At our middle age, so many of our friends have started using readers and things like that. And, you know, I have never really needed glasses in my life. But recently, one thing I have found in my middle age that has really suffered is my ability to read when they're showing a text message on screen. Oh my God. I cannot make that out for the life of me. I have to pause it, rewind it and stand right in front of the TV in order to see it. Some of the apps let you zoom in and they literally will zoom in on the screen and be like, what is this? What is this? There's a little tension there when she sees Charlotte. Interesting, by the way, multiple times, these people who supposedly were her most loyal acolytes back in the day are the ones that are the most skeptical when they see her. She does her little hello, Clarice, which she goes, hello, Charlotte. (laughs) She accuses Charlotte of, uh, or Lottie, I guess we're calling her Charlotte now, of Kidnapping Natalie. Yeah, I'm not sure before this episode if I understood her name was Charlotte, to be honest with you. I'm sure they must have said it and I missed it. That actually happened a few a few episodes back. It was when Natalie shows up on, on so it was the second episode. And Natalie says, hello, Lottie. And she says, I go by Charlotte now. And then I didn't even think about uh, it. Like I honestly thought that she had come up with a new moniker. But then I'm like, I no, Lottie was yes, <laughs> Lottie's short never... for Charlotte. I never understood that, especially because we know a Charlotte in our lives. Of course. And, you know, it has just never occurred to me that Lottie would be a nickname for Charlotte, which is my own cluelessness, I suppose. Oh, no. You know, I had the exact same circumstance, especially because obviously, you know, the whole Charlotte connection that I didn't even see it. So that I was literally taking a note and going like, well, now she's going by Charlotte. Oh, Charlotte, Lottie. Never mind. This is a nickname. (laughs) 
She didn't make up a name at all. <laughs> no one will ever find her this way. <laughs> yeah, never. That's why they couldn't find her before. They were looking for Charlotte. Right. They were looking for Lottie. They were looking for Lottie, I should say, not Charlotte. She tells her the truth. She tells her that Natalie was trying to kill herself. Misty's still uh, cynical about the whole situation, doesn't believe it. Which is ironic because it's 100% true. <laughs> right, exactly. And once again, all the skepticism about Lottie and what she's doing there and when Misty was like one of her followers back in the day. So very curious to see how this all goes badly because it seems to be the ones who had the most faith in her are the ones who are the most cynical about her now. You think about Shauna and Thaisa heading her way, they're pretty much like, yeah, let's go see what she's up to. <laughs> it does not seem to be as traumatic as it is for some of these other people. <laughs> True. Okay, this scene, I got to ask you about this. Lottie meets with her therapist, or does she? What is happening Weird here? scene, right? I mean, so obvious that they are not showing who the therapist is. Right. First of all. The last time, we even suggested maybe the therapist was some kind of conspirator or spy, mm -hmm. even a figment of her imagination. But the way that was shot, it literally is two people on screen in a very traditional pose. It almost feels like maybe that scene did happen, but did this scene happen? Because the way they shoot this is very strange, right? Yes, very weird, um, especially with them having established that she has been regularly seeing a therapist with right. the last visit. I didn't know that the therapist would be away. I'm surprised to find you here as a replacement. I mean, they've done a lot, a lot of groundwork to establish this ongoing right. relationship, and then we don't see this person at all. Which, yeah, leaves you to believe, is this a real person? Is this somebody that we know? And it's going to be a big reveal. Right. Like, what is going on? And, and it's a tense moment how strange it is the way that they're showing us this. Puts us on edge already. But then what she's actually saying, right? She's echoing what Natalie said, that there was something out there and that they brought it back with her. And it's interesting that the this therapist, or even if this is just a figment of her imagination, that she's not afraid that her psychosis is coming back. It's actually the opposite. She's afraid that this might be real because all these people are suddenly showing up back out of the blue. What really troubled me too is this idea of maybe I was never sick at all. I mean, right. look, lady, you were diagnosed with something before you ever got on that right. plane and taking medication for it. So there was something going on before all of this happened. In the defense of a different read, in the flashbacks as a little girl is acting strangely then she seems to predict the car accident or prevent the car accident. And that actually, the next time we see the parents, they are at a therapist's office where they are medicating her. Maybe she was having those visions even mm. as a youngster. Good point. I had forgotten about that scene. And then theoretically, because she's off her meds back in the woods, of course, mm. that this could be coming back. But once again, this is her own fear. Is this her psychosis coming back or was she just basically in tune with something that was legitimately there? And um, and I think that's what the show continues to explore, potentially. Thank you for reminding me about that car accident scene. I had totally forgotten about that. So that does establish then that maybe her parents just panicked because they don't want to live with this creepy little girl. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which I could see happening. Okay, I, I feel better about that. <laughs> this is, in a way, when she's talking to her therapist here, I think this exemplifies where the show really still works. This metaphor for this trauma and abuse at an early age. Over and over again, specifically in this episode of the show, you see how these girls are intentionally suppressing things that happened to them and then forcing themselves to deal with it. And in a way, if they had dealt with it earlier, they probably wouldn't be in the circumstance that they are in now. And even right here, we're talking to Lottie has convinced herself that these things didn't happen. But I think everybody probably has that experience of having a story in their mind from when they were young that was told to them over and over again that that didn't happen. And then at some point when you're an adult, you're talking to somebody, uh, you know, whether it's a family or friend, they're saying like, oh yeah, I remember that happened too. And you're like, really? We took us 25 years <laughs> to come to this realization <laughs> because it's like you yourself and everybody around you have been gaslighting you about the events of your own childhood. Although the supernatural element of it might detract from all of that. I honestly could get on board with her being psychic, clairvoyant, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's the whole supernatural wilderness thing that is rubbing me the wrong way or is, you know, just not my cup of tea. And she does mention in regards to that supernatural element, she says that there was some power in that place that they brought back with her. She calls it the God of that place. So interesting. 
Anne mentions that she believes she brought it back with them, which what she discovered from Natalie was the thing that she had told Travis last week. Meanwhile, back at the compound, Misty has joined the drum circle. This is really funny stuff. Hysterical. This is where you get in touch with something that you've lost. It could be a person or it could be something else. For example, Rob, this guy's name is Rob, says that you know his business dissolved. He had a subscription horse meat business with oh his brother-in-law. God. Who is subscribing <laughs> like, to that? <laughs> I actually did some research to be like, are people eating horse meat? Apparently, people do eat horse meat. In Not the as US? rare as I thought. Pretty rare in the US, although we are the third largest manufacturer of horse meat, believe it or not, the US is. Although we ship it out mostly. To where? China is number one. But it's parts of Europe are, you know, it's pretty uh, commonplace. I was expecting that France would be a high consumer of horse meat because I know. I was going to guess France. Yeah. Historically, they're big horse meat eaters. Although apparently, culturally, they've had the kind of reversal there they've had in the US. They don't really eat it. But I mean, like Belgium, there's other places in Europe where they still eat it. Hmm. But news to me that we produce so much of it. <laughs> so it's not as outlandish as it sounds, although it is pretty funny in the context of the show that this is the thing, the trauma that you're trying to overcome. And Missy says, no, she's not getting over anybody. As a matter of fact, she's never gone through a breakup. Oh, poor Misty. <laughs> Why do I still feel sympathy for her, even though she's a murderer, a cold-blooded murderer? Now at this point? <laughs> I like how she just admits, I'm just going through the motions until I could talk to Natalie. And like, you literally could hear like that needle scratch. <laughs> Everybody stops <laughs> drumming and they're like, you know, Natalie too. And she's like, oh, if you're all done crying, I can tell you some stories. <laughs> I love that. Oh, boy. And she doesn't need tell stories for like the rest of the day. <laughs> we'll get back to her soon. Natalie's blaming herself for Travis's death. She says the only people she's ever loved, she destroys them, basically. She's bad for them. Lisa tries to assure her that it wasn't her fault. And this is a, something that appears multiple times here in the dialogue throughout. She is still contending with uh, the things they did out there. She keeps saying specifically, I can't live with the things that I did while I was out there. And she says, they did them to survive. And she says, but did we? Questions herself as to whether they really needed to do some of the things they did. And then should they have survived at all? Lisa brings her the fish. We should all be responsible for something innocent, she tells her. Oh, this poor fish has been through it. <laughs> she takes her out. She says, you're going to thank me for this later. She tries to dry out the fish, the poor fish in her hand, gulping for air. And she puts it back in the water and ends up feeding it. So maybe taking some of this to, um, to heart. Given the time period that the flashbacks are set in, do you remember that Faith No More video with the fish oh, at the yes. end? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Um, and there was a big uh, PETA backlash, if I remember, for them letting the fish die on the set of the video. Did it die? I heard it didn't die because those fish actually can stay out of water for a long period of time. Oh, Although it's still probably cruel. It's just a cruelty thing. Yeah. It might still be cruel to keep them out for that long so they can shoot them. And they probably have lights on and stuff. It's probably not pleasant for the fish. Oh, what's that song now? Can't think of it. <laughs> I'll excerpt it at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's I can hear the song and I can hear yes. the, the chords over the fish. All, yeah, but you can't like... have. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie asks Lisa, why did you forgive me after I stabbed you in the face? <laughs> and Lisa said that suffering is inevitable and facing it with compassion is the only way out, which maybe is a good strategy for getting through trauma, although no, none of these girls have ever treated their trauma this way. I mean, I thought this was an insightful comment. And then I yeah. thought in my life, that would be a true comment. But we all know these people, right, who have somehow just been blessed to never have to deal with anything really, truly awful. So I don't know how much it's like really applicable to everybody, this whole idea of like life is pain. But when it works, it works. <laughs> right. Especially when, you know, when you say life is pain, it's usually pretty minor pain that they're telling you to get over. These, these girls have been through it. Yeah. More so than that fish. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, let's catch up with Shauna and Kevin. <laughs> Some pretty funny stuff here too. Yeah, All of this is great. Kevin to me is comic relief of the season. Oh, you mean Jeff? You mean Jeff though? Oh, sorry, Jeff, Jeff, not Kevin, the police officer. Sorry. Yes. Jeff is great in this episode. He's an incredible it. spit take. An incredible yes. spit take. <laughs> And the music Bye. and the car yes. and like all of it. I mean, <laughs> yes. I just love oh how God. they've developed this character. It's so entertaining. I love this mixtape he has. What have we heard on it? We've heard Papa Roach on it. He's got NWA on there. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. He's this angry teenage boy trapped inside of his bad, big male body. 
But yeah, sorry. I, I just got so excited <laughs> to talk about Jeff. The cops are, have come calling. Yes. Yeah. Kevin calls, asks to question both Shauna and Callie, not to Jeff. Jeff's concerned about this. Jeff says, you shouldn't have dragged Callie into this. Shauna just tells her, great parent advice here. <laughs> Callie, you should have just had sex with him. <laughs> so practical. They could have negated everything you said. So practical. <laughs> That's it. All I'm saying is if you just had sex with him, everything would be fine. And, and we find out that that really lands with Callie. <laughs> she, yes. she takes it to heart. <laughs> she takes it to heart. Absolutely. I like that this uh, police officer now, uh, I forget his first name, his actual first name, Saragusa, I think is his name on the... Uh, yeah, something like that. Saracusa, Saracusa, that he's is the uh, officer here. Shauna says if Saracusa is going to interview the daughter, she's going to have to be present. And he's like, no, I'm going to interview you. And actually, Kevin's going to interview Callie. And here's my question. I thought Callie, didn't we estimate she was like 16 or 17 last week? Wouldn't she still be underage? Wouldn't she need to have a parent present? This is so interesting to me because a question like this actually came up on my bar exam but I can't remember entirely what the answer is. I know for sure if they ask for a parent, you have to give them a parent. Oh, okay. I can't remember though if they must have a parent. But then she just say, you can't interview my daughter without me being present. Well, yeah. Oh, that's fair. You know, I was thinking about it in a vacuum. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. She was specifically saying she didn't want him interviewing her because obviously they had the- The relationship. Yes. I'm not sure if they would take that as some sort of consent, the fact that she doesn't object to True, possibly. Kevin interviewing her. I mean, that might be like you're waiving your right to do it. I don't know. It'd be much cleaner to not have that issue and just have a parent present, yes. honestly. Yes. The procedural stuff here is not very um, following the letter of the law for starting from like the unauthorized undercover operation and moving forward right. to today's episode. So <laughs> Yeah, that was strange to me. And once again, I mean, you probably used to have, I need a lot of leeway with these shows anyway. So yeah, we have that great scene where Jeff is angrily listening to fuck the police in the car in front Love of the police station. It. Probably not the best choice at that moment. This is another weird sequence of events. Shauna's phone rings. It's Thaisa calling. He answers her phone which I mean is not the weirdest thing in the world, but answers the phone, says, oh, she's just stepped away. Tisa's like, okay, that's all right. I'll call her back. Because he says she's in the bathroom. So, right. Like, right. but then it might take I a while. I should be able to catch her in 10 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> what would you like me to tell her? And it's like, well, Lottie has a cult in upstate New yes. York. <laughs> and uh, we're heading there. Oh, by the way, I'm in the car with the van. Misty's already there. Natalie's already there. It's interesting to remind us, of course, that he went to school with them also, right? Like mm -hmm. we actually see a flashback. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about that flashback to them all in school together while they're learning about the miracle of birth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have questions about that. Our experience when we were younger as well. I think it's the same movie. <laughs> Probably. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so he gets a lot of information here all of a sudden. He quickly tries to say hi back to Van, but the call's ended by then. We've been talking about the location of that. Yes. Called mm -hmm. Cherry Hill, New York. I have not looked right. up if that's a real place. I was wondering if they were merging Cherry Hill, New Jersey and right. upstate New York to try and like create some hybrid destination for this cult. I didn't look. Yeah, I didn't look it up either. Maybe they're intentionally keeping it vague because, you know, right. any reasons. But correct. There is a Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is not a you know forested area <laughs> at all, but uh, it is... Um, uh, it's actually further down south, but the uh, yes, so this yeah, could much be, closer to Philadelphia, yeah, right. So it could be some combination of those two. It's just odd that they chose to have this scene just for the fact that I mean, she could have texted her, she could have left her a voicemail, she could have left her a voice memo. There's other ways that Shauna could have still gotten this information. I guess it's in a way like to remind us that he knows all these people also. I think it maybe theoretically, now that I'm thinking about it, just from plot mechanics point of view. Jeff will now know where she is, right? So if he needs to go and rescue her, or at least start snooping, if she disappears for a long period of time, he knows where she is now. But Maybe to lay the groundwork for him being like, you've got to get the hell out of Dodge and this is where you're going to go. Yes, because he gets to have that conversation with her too. Right. This initial conversation. And it gets to happen, very compactly happens all in the van within minutes. So that does help. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, inside the police station, <laughs> two very interesting and different interrogations are going on. All right, we have the bad cop, which is Saracusa, starts telling Shauna, you know what? Your daughter doesn't like you. That's how 
she started talking to me in the first place. She told me everything about the affair you were having. Melanie Linsky as Shauna that has this incredible yes. moment here where she says, you know what? I never wanted a child. I only got into this relationship with my husband based on some kind of guilt, these emotions mm-hmm. she had tied to. We know they're tied to Jackie, of course. Probably had the child to save that relationship because she was committed to it in some way. Is incredibly empathetic, laying it all out on the line in such an earnest way here and says, yeah, and I had this relationship because it made me feel young again. Last week's, last week, I guess two weeks, uh, most recent episode was called Two Truths and a Lie. And that's kind of what we have here, right? She's telling him a whole bunch of truths mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. hide the lie that, of course, that I did not kill Adam. But yes, indeed, you did. I love this actor. You see his face fall there for a second. You think she's gotten him convinced. And he just says, well done. Yes. <laughs> I love this. Well done. I mean, how unlikable has this guy become, right? Oh my like, God, so much so, yes. Oh my gosh. I'm not sure we ever or I ever really liked him, but like fully established hate at this point after this conversation. He just, listen, like she did murder him. So I can't be mad at him for that. But just the way he's approaching this is just making him so annoying and off-putting. And kudos to this actor, by the way. I know him from Search Party. He was one of the leads in Search Party. And a total bumbling goofball, which appears to be like when you see him in interviews, his actual persona. He was also the deputy on Stranger Things. I know you haven't watched that either. But once again, this very bumbling, clueless character. And here, he channels a little bit of that. You see how goofy can be. But to pull off these scenes in the interrogation, I'm like, wow, this is a completely other side of his personality. It kind of is a range I hadn't expected from him. But yeah, very good. Leaning into that likable goofball that he plays on those other shows I mentioned, and now really becoming like really a, a thorn in her sides, right? For sure. But you know what? Unlikable because he calls her out on her BS, but it is BS. No, that's why I said he she did murder him. I can't fault him for that part. He could be nicer about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I guess. You could be nicer during your interrogation. (laughs) And he just goes, when's the last time you saw Adam? We don't know how she answers this whole question and gets out of it because we don't see her again until she's back in the van. Yeah, I was also wondering whether she was given a direction to not leave the county or the state, which is very typical at certain points in interrogations because she sure is leaving. They've established that. Yeah. Meanwhile... Callie is this is so great being interrogated by Kevin and yes this is great as well Kevin thinks he's you know being the nice cop he also probably has some affection for her and is trying to be gentle with his questions and then she just says Jay took advantage of me I was mm-hmm. a virgin ah <laughs> oh, the face crumple all oh, of it God, oh yes. she is committed to this Yes, she's and Kevin doesn't believe it at all. It's great. Kevin's just like, "Oh, come on." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You know what? If you perjure yourself, you know that is a crime." And she just turns, hardens that face against him and says, go ahead, arrest me. Let's see who the jury believes. So, wow, this was quite a reversal. But also, what is going on with that one guy's testicles? Do we know? (laughs) Good question. If she knows something (laughs) or not there. Is it a bluff? (laughs) It is. It may be a bluff. But if she calls that as a bluff, because it's like, what would they do in court? Is he going to have to show his testicles? (laughs) Have to go back and have a... a, uh, Physical exam. Have an expert witness of a doctor who examined him. <laughs> Testicles are unremarkable. This is when Sean arrives at the van very shortly before Callie does as well. Tells Jeff that he she confessed to the affair. He does this incredible spit take, like you mentioned. She immediately uh, opens it. the glove compartment. Like, what is she reaching for? She has the gun in the glove compartment and she's reaching for it, or, or at least re- reaching in its general direction. And he's like, why are you driving around with that on the car? Yes. Oh, the the best part is that he goes, you are out of control. And Melly Linsky going, you think? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You think? (laughs) That was incredible. Callie shows up and she goes, Mom, I used your idea. And guess what? Everything's going great. And then she suddenly freaks out. And she goes, what is it? Are we going to jail? (laughs) (laughs) So she's so proud of herself. And suddenly terrified (laughs) they're going to jail. (laughs) So (laughs) proud of herself. Oh, God. And then... Jeff tells Shauna that she needs to get away. <laughs> Not only like get away, just like because if the cops keep asking her questions, God knows what's going to happen. <laughs> so just going back, not even a whole season. Imagine if Shauna needs to get out of Dodge so that Jeff can keep, try to do damage control. I'd be like, wow, what a reversal. Because <laughs> Jeff was like the biggest nincompoop of possible last season. Yeah. Well, remember too, Misty's mock 
interrogation that she did with Shauna where it didn't <laughs> yeah. go well. And she, again, has failed to follow Misty's directions of just saying, I want a lawyer. I want a lawyer. I want a right. lawyer. Always the advice to anyone who's going to be questioned by the police. And instead saying the most honest thing she's probably ever said. Yes, seriously. <laughs> That's where you choose Bearing to like, unburden soul. yourself. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Not, not the right time. Misty said to her before, don't lie. You're not good at this. Jeff says, Shauna, you're not good at this. So it's like, yes. Once again, <laughs> Shauna, stop what you're doing. All right. So let's go back and rewind a little bit. Van is listening to one of my favorite one hit wonders of all times. White Town song, I Could Never Be Your Woman. What a great song that is. Great music in this episode. I mean, we've talked yeah. about before great music in the show generally, and I still think that's true. Once again, it caught my attention specifically that this episode had really great music. She mentions the tie about the night before when she encountered her and told her that they're not where they're supposed to be. Van, again, bizarrely calm in the presence of a possessed person. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would be like, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Like, <laughs> Exactly. This is not going to work for me. We need that needle drop here on the show at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Closing time. It seems like this is the end of the line for her. <laughs> She's pretty much drawing a line here. And not only that, Thaisa tries to like warm things up going like, hey, how do we classify this Sandra Bullock? Yes. Good Sandy or bad Sandy? Yes. So Miss Congeniality, good or bad? Where would you put it? It has to be good, right? I mean, if you're going by good- I think it has to be good. I mean, it's pretty much a classic. I mean, she has to mean good as in a good movie, bad movie. Not like she's a good person in the show, because she is good. And I mean, she's usually America's sweetheart at the time, right? So she was always likable in those films, I think. I agree. And so then I tried to think of a bad Sandy movie. And the one I came up with was The Net. Oh, yes. <laughs> she made some bad movies. She made some bad movies. Yeah. I mean, but of that time period that would have VHS tapes, I think most of them are going to fall on the good side. Yeah. She was. She had quite a streak back then. <laughs> Speed, you know, like, oh, right? Oh, man, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. While you were sleeping. Like, while we were streaming, right, is the name of our show. Right, our right. <laughs> I like how Thaisa does the same thing that she's done. Very good writing for, around these characters, by the way, how they fall back into their habits. Taisa, who's, you know, having some kind of mental breakdown, has mental personality, multiple personality disorder, and may actually have a demonic possession going on. And she's like, I noticed those overpaid bills. <laughs> Man, <laughs> are you doing okay financially? Like bigger fish to fry right now, lady. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting that she's committed to this, uh, Van has committed to this business of hers, which, you know, she's living off of her savings. Van starts throwing things in her face, by the way, after she mentions the unpaid bills and starts saying, if this isn't where you're supposed to be, then where are you supposed to be? Maybe you have to figure that out. Kind of telling her to leave. And this is when she gets a call from Misty and she says, guess where I am? Maybe that's where you're supposed to be, Thaisa. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Cherry Hill, New York, like you mentioned, that's where this place is supposedly located. If it's a real place, I gotta haven't done the research to check it out. This is a great Misty episode. Love Misty's pitch. She is 100% bought in after getting these acolytes of her own, people who treat her like a celebrity. And the food is good. <laughs> <laughs> she says, there are a bunch of granola losers, but the food is great. And the BO factor is surprisingly low. <laughs> there you go. What else could you ask for? By the way, Natalie has now reverted to dressing all in black, back to her normal. <laughs> Meanwhile, I love the contrast that Misty is purple from head to toe <laughs> immediately. <laughs> if you want to gauge that as like her commitment to this whole entire project. I mean, this is a girl who wants to be a part of things, you know? Yes, so like it all adds up. Really thematically pays off when we go to the flashback as well, that that's been what she's been craving her whole entire life. Ironically, she's like, I don't trust this, you know, cult for a second. And she's like, oh, I love being in a cult. It's great. <laughs> they have to be my friend. So it turns out Taisan and Van are heading in that general direction. Van's just going to drop her off, supposedly, although that changes, of course. Van says that she doesn't want to go up there and get involved because she doesn't want to live in the past. And Taisan's like, what are you talking about? You are Your whole life is about the past. And this is very interesting. And I think this is a, a thematically interesting point for the whole entire show, that Van is saying that she wants the past that she didn't have. So she's craving a version of the past that she knows fully aware that she missed out on that. I think that is what people end up doing, right? They are pining for a glorified version of the past, not a real version of the past. Like that was probably terrible and traumatic. <laughs> they're trapped mm. in that moment in their time because they didn't experience it, right? And that's why mm. they're actually trapped there. We do have Misty and Natalie meeting one more meeting up on the compound. They eat together. 
Misty's been telling stories all day. She's having a great time. I like how all the people are like sitting there listening to all the stories about Natalie and Lottie. I'm sure she's not getting into the really bad stuff, I would, I would assume. Right, you know, I would assume Give it enough time. <laughs> give it enough time and she'll tell them everything. And she loves this feeling. It's like you said, she's desperately wanted to be a part of something her whole entire life. They have all hidden away these terrible things that happened to them. Meanwhile, everybody's desperate to know about them. And when Misty doesn't run away from it and basically embraces this celebrity, minor celebrity that she has... I mean, if they all had a reality show or something, there probably would be no demon possessing them or stalking them because they couldn't be manipulated by the things that they have already addressed, right? And maybe that's another metaphor for what's going on here. Because of the secrets, you mean? Yeah. I mean, that's what's driving them nuts. And well, that's them do like a therapy things. phrase, right? You're only as sick as your secrets. Oh, is it? I didn't realize that. See, mm-hmm. it's an interesting point. It's weird to have this jovial breakdown of what's happening in current time when the back story is so dark. So grim. I almost feel like this should have had some sort of trigger warning with it. Or they should have split the episode. I mean, trigger warning, yes. In that flashback, we do start off in a pretty light way where we're watching the miracle of birth, supposedly. We see Coach Ben is the one who's playing the video for them. Yes, our health class was our gym teacher. Why was yeah, our- Why, why are were, they doing that? Why is that? Why is that case? <laughs> Yeah. Why are they qualified? I mean, I understand in a broad perspective why they would be qualified to do that. It's all physical health, I suppose. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, I'm just not sure why they would have maybe the qualifications, but not the experience to really (laughs) bring that material home. It's a very strange thing that I never really thought about until they reminded me here. But yes, we had our gym teacher (laughs) tell us, play this video for us as well, or a version of it. I was very traumatized by this video. I actually think I saw mine in biology class, in fairness, really? but I was very, very traumatized by it. I definitely saw it in health class, yeah. which was run by one of our gym teachers. Hmm. It made me wonder as well, do you think that this video is conservative propaganda? Like, did this terrify you <laughs> of having sex? Oh, I having, kept my legs pregnant, crossed right? for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> yes. This is a yes. horror movie, intentionally, right? They have that scene at the end where the baby is like the the mom is holding the baby. I still remember vividly that video in my mind because it was so traumatizing, it, which of course the baby's not cute at all. It's not like in the movies. It's completely covered in gunk. Traumatic to say the least. There were some really graphic shots too of the birthing in the movie that I saw. Yes. Like, oh yeah. Really, absolutely. really graphic. <laughs> I, I mean, as a woman who would be giving birth, you would not have that perspective on your own body, you know? So right. um, yeah, really upsetting for, I, I don't know, 14 year old girl, I guess, maybe. I mentioned briefly, and I think in, in maybe just two weeks ago, the show Dead Ringers, which um, I do mm-hmm, recommend. Mm-hmm. I finished it and uh, it's incredible, like truly incredible performance by Rachel Weiss playing the two roles. Definitely recommend it for that. The show is very messy. It's got too many ideas, but I guess I'm happy that shows like that can be made, although it probably should have been a little more well thought out to make its points a little more clearer. I still recommend it because it's such a big swing. And anyway, you talk about trigger warnings. They have a trigger warning in episode one that there's actual childbirths and there's like a montage of these childbirths. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is like the miracle birth video. (laughs) Times five. I I can't (laughs) handle this. It's too much. It does make me think about that once again. I mean, even more so in that show than here. But it is pretty crazy that this is something that is such a common procedure. And still, how have they not been able to make this better over time? They've made it worse somehow. Like, it's it's pretty nuts. (laughs) We have not gotten better at this. I mean, this is going to start getting a little bit. Um, of a charged topic, but it's like they made it better by inventing the drugs and then they made it worse yes. by making it like somehow you're a better person if you don't take the drugs. So right. <laughs> the, the guilt associated with this as well. Yeah. Well, we get into a little bit of that here, but if you want to explore those topics in greater detail, definitely check out the ringers. <laughs> Although trigger warnings all over that. Luckily, they do literally have different types of trigger warnings. Like in the first one, it's like, Trigger warnings, this one, you know, you'll see live births. And it's like uh, in the second one, it's like trigger warnings. This episode has suicide. And it's like every episode is full of trigger warnings, but it's like, Yikes. But it's, yeah, it's it's rough, but it's uh, it's very impressively ambitious, let's say. Not all successful, but ambitious nonetheless. Big digression there, nonetheless. Back to the video getting played on screen. Jeff is literally writing 
a note to Shauna hinting mm-hmm. at the fact that he wants to have sex again because mm-hmm. I love that tutoring session we had the other day while he's averting his eyes, literally blocking his eyes from being able to see. So it's, it's such an incredible metaphorical uh, symbol there that he's averting his eyes from the reality of what's going to happen in the future. It's as if people have the ability to see the future multiple times over the course of this show. I mean, for all we know, she's actually pregnant at this point. Exactly, right? And soon will be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Missy asks in the classroom, how much blood is there? Mm-hmm. She seems to be relishing the amount of blood. And then, of course, when we see her in the moment while Shauna is starting to bleed, she like freaks out. I mean, I think some of her quick flashbacks led me to believe that she's dealing with trauma from what happened to Crystal slash Kristen. It's very recent, right, that all of this happened because Shauna came in from the snowstorm in labor. So I think maybe she hasn't fully wrapped her head around all of that yet. And so then being in such an intense situation here and basically being asked and expected to take charge of it was just too much for her. That's a good point. I think it's when you see those little flashes that, yeah, and you make another valid point. Of course, it's been two weeks since we saw that episode, but this is immediately after they go into labor as Misty returns from the storm, right? So Mm -hmm. this is actually happening half an hour or less uh, from her return from having accidentally killed her friend. So yeah, she has blood on her hands, literally, in that case, yes. I mean, yes, that seemed a little on the nose, right? Because it's like she (laughs) looks at the blood on her hands and then she (laughs) has the flashback, but yeah. Lottie, she starts off with asking to have share their hopes and someone, who's the person who says, wilderness don't kill Shauna? (laughs) Who who was it who came up with this brilliant... (laughs) I missed that. <laughs> I remember someone saying, you're not going to die. And Shauna saying, am I going to die? What? <laughs> yes. Not the things you want to hear at this moment. There's an interesting split here where you see Shauna and Thaisa and the few other holdouts versus Lottie's woo-woo spirituality, where they're like saying, like, we need to start chanting and stuff. That's the way to make this baby come out. Oh, I love that they try to recruit Ben into helping out. And he's like, I don't know anything about this. I don't know nothing about birthing no babies. Come on, Ben. Like, I I agree, but you also are the only adult here in a really dire situation. It's time to step up whether you want to or not. Natalie tells Shauna that women have been doing this for millions of years. I think she's a little off (laughs) on the amount of time she's talking about there. (laughs) But still, point taken that that's true. For at least hundreds of thousands of years, women have been able to do this and other animals have done it as well. I mean, right, but the corollary is, and some of them died. So. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> you know. unfortunately. Even now, but even more, probably more so back in the day. And I love this moment. This has got to become a meme out there. Everybody make this into a meme. When Natalie says, women have been doing this for a million years, and she says, Akilah's got this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this actress's face. <laughs> her reaction is incredible. incredible. She has like eight things go through her <laughs> <laughs> she goes from like, what? Who? Me? And then she goes, yep, I got this. <laughs> She's got no other option. But like that all happens in like yes. half a second. Having a baby nephew, she's the natural choice. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> she's held a baby in her hands recently. Yes. <laughs> she's the only one to do the job. <laughs> I also like the fact that she says, I guess I have to do this nugget. Sean <laughs> is like, who are you talking to? <laughs> Sean, like, don't you have other things to worry about right now? Chill. <laughs> and then this is when this blood ritual starts. Lottie tells Travis mm-hmm. to get the. Th- I don't know if she even tells him to do it. He just starts doing it. It's very strange. And then everybody, everybody gives something. Travis cuts his hand. They all start putting trinkets on top of this steer's head. Here's the. And what are they chanting? They're saying, I forget. They're saying they're chanting to the wilderness to save Shauna or something like that. Something like we hear the wilderness and the wilderness hears us. Something like that. And Ben is freaking out now. Has a complete meltdown. He's thinking to himself, I'm a gay man. I shouldn't have to look at a vagina, much less one in this condition. <laughs> <laughs> and then he flashes back. It's not, not a flashback. I guess, once again, there's this weird tracking motif where he is with his boyfriend again, and there's other people there. But this doesn't look like the apartment. It looks right. like maybe it's the cabin, like but dressed up in like a... It's definitely a cabin. And of course, all the... Trivia questions are weird. They have references to what the science of the lambs and rescue me is playing, right? And uh, basically, all the trivia words are about being rescued or or being killed. Or of course, science of the lambs has to do with cannibalism. So it's like it's all mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. that are probably on his mind. Because at first, I thought maybe this is a memory, but then I'm like, no, this is some kind of fantasy that he's in again. 
And maybe that's why, because we've seen Lottie have these weird tracking effect. So maybe that's how they're telling us that we're in a fantasy sequence. So maybe that's why Lottie's having these as well. Anyway, it's I'm still confused as to Same. what the rules of this technique are where we see this. Although I think from Ben's POV, it's pretty clear now that every time he's we have that, it's not an actual memory. It's a fantasy sequence that he's having. Like right. a little mind it's a break with reality. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has some version of break of reality, so it's still hard to know Who which would blame one's them. Which. Yes. Meanwhile, the placenta comes out first. This is very bad news. I was actually kind of shocked when this happened because, you know, you can obviously bleed out and the baby can suffocate. Misty finally gets coached by Lottie. Lottie does what she needs to do and starts to um, tell Shauna the push that the baby's almost out. Shauna passes out on that last push, gets the baby out. And then we have a very long sequence here in flashback where they find out it's a boy, but the baby won't feed. She won't lactate. One night she wakes up, or probably the very next night, I assume, the baby can't survive that long without feeding. And Lottie tells her, she's soothing the baby. She's very mad that Lottie's taking the baby. Says that we need to feed. And she goes, what, do you, what did you say? He needs the feed. Well, also it appeared that Lottie was breastfeeding the baby, which is how you knew that something was really off, I thought. Yeah, at, in that sequence, at the moment, I'm like, is yeah. this a dream sequence of some kind? Lottie does say he needs the feed. And also says that you'll understand soon enough. Lottie, in her character throughout the course of the show, she seems a little demure. Like she's the one who has the least confidence in her power. She really does seem to try to be doing the right thing and doing it for the right reasons. She seems very ominous here in these moments. And of course, it makes sense considering where the story lands at the end. Or the question is whether this is Lottie at all or whether it is some version of this thing that might be possessing them. Shona is in conversation with the future version of herself. She apologizes to the baby and says, I never wanted to be a mother. I mean, this young actress does an incredible job here. Really moving scene where she says, I can't wait to see who you become. And then he finally feeds, right? And it's like this really triumphant moment. Natalie walks in and says, she wants to announce it to everybody else. And Shona goes, no, I want to keep this to myself for a while. And here towards the very, very end of the episode, we are back in the present tense. Shauna, Thaisa, and Van have all shown up at approximately the same time. Van's actually planning to just drop her off and take off, but because Shauna has shown up there too, she's just like, damn it, <laughs> and drives mm -hmm. up that path. One of them, one of the girls says, wow, you guys are all coming here. You guys all showed up at the same time. Thaisa says, Van is just dropping me off, right? And then Van locks eyes with Lottie, and it's all over. It's love once again. I do want to circle back to something that I forgot to mention earlier. In the car, as they're arriving there, there's a conversation between Thaisa and Van, where she says, I hope you didn't give up on love because we broke up. And she says, well, you know, I'm on the apps. I hook up when I have my mm -hmm, needs mm -hmm. met, like basically meaning that she doesn't date anyone seriously, but she kind of has given up on love, but don't flatter yourself. It's not because of you. Mm -hmm. And you see Thaisa is a little hurt by this, which is strange that she mm -hmm. would be hurt by this, but I guess, you know, emotions are complicated. But then I was thinking, is she just saying that to protect herself in some way? But then I thought about this moment where Van sees Lottie. And I'm not saying she was, they had like a sexual relationship, but when she says that she had her heart broken by someone she loved and she could never love again, maybe that was Lottie. And I don't mean, once again, I don't mean that in a sexual relationship way. It's just that she put her faith in Lottie and then maybe the betrayal she feels so much is Lottie's betrayal. I honestly could feel like after going through what these girls have gone through, Wanting to just be left alone for the rest of your life. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> it could be general. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a totally acceptable outcome <laughs> to say I have had enough of other people. I just want to live a peaceful life on my own, not being a cannibal and being warm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> not being freezing and not being a cannibal. But I do agree with you that probably in the context of this show, there is something deeper going on. And then a really interesting shot. We see Lottie walking across that outside theater area, approaching the girls who are now all there, all the main girls, at least the ones we've been following so far in the story. And we notice that theater area has been laid out like the symbol, right? And I noticed that Natalie has fully committed to the purple clothing lifestyle, even has the purple Birkenstocks on, which I thought were wow. <laughs> quite a choice for her. I got to go back and look at that. I mean, really pretty purple dress. She looks fantastic. Wow. Yeah, Sa Saving that fish really turned things around for her. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here it is. This is the end of the episode, right? This is actually 
last week because they didn't have an episode out. They teased this and you could just feel like, well, this has got to be the end of the episode that they're teasing one week early. It plays out like it is a wink that this is the end of the episode, but it's not. We hear the screen's still black. Shauna wakes up. She hears the girls are chanting. And then she walks into the other room and everybody, including Coach Ben, are eating the baby. <sighs> and then, of course, she wakes up. This is a nightmare. And instead, the baby died in childbirth. And we see the reality that this whole long, difficult... <laughs> I feel was... like you're not a fan of this, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. So All I'm not. for nothing. <laughs> All for nothing. Yes, exactly. And I... And I well, let's you know, say one thing is that young Shauna, the actress, was amazing in this episode. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I we really, I really felt for her both in the dream sequences and especially in those final scenes. Um, she did an amazing job. Yeah, especially I think that moment where she is bonding with the baby, where the baby nurses mm -hmm, for the first time mm -hmm. is incredible, incredible. I really felt so much compassion for her. And this is why it irritates me why would they make this decision to have this stinger ending? Obviously, women deal with this type of thing all the time, unfortunately. And this would be very triggering. You mentioning trigger warnings. That should be something that should be triggering for people who've experienced anything like this. To mm -hmm. pull the rug out from you after putting you through the ringer that way. You could argue generously that that's their intention, is to put you in that position of losing the baby after having this anticipation of what that life is going to be, or that she's dying at those last minutes and she bonds with the baby because they're both in this like death space temporarily. But then the cannibalism seek nightmare, like what, what that, 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 that flies in the face of any generous reading of this sequence. I think. I don't know what it was about. I think honestly watching it, my gut feeling was that it was going to end this way for the baby. Yeah. I actually became very nervous watching the episode because I guess because, you know, in my mind, I had thought it was an inevitability that this baby would either be stillborn or not survive for very long. So then for me, I think this whole dream sequence part, I actually had never thought about the practical implications of if this baby was not stillborn or died right. immediately after birth, how was she going to feed the baby? How was she going right. to sustain the baby? You need to have so many more calories when you're breastfeeding a baby yep. that everyone, I started thinking everyone's going to resent her because she's going to yep. need more food. They're going to feel like she's taking more than her share. And even yep. then the food they have isn't nutritious. Do they even have enough water? Like I right. was thinking about all of these things and I actually got very worried that the baby did exist. And so right. um, I think I was very distracted with that idea of like, how is this going to play out? Especially knowing that we don't know this baby in the current timeline, right? So, right, right. I mean, I guess there was maybe a version of a story that she brings the baby back and then the baby gets put up for adoption. I guess it could yeah. have happened, but um, so I was like grappling with all of these possibilities that I had never really considered. So that's what was um, taking up space in my mind rather than the idea of like, why are they doing this to us? Which is a much <laughs> more interesting question, I think. To your point, I think that they wrote themselves into a corner as the writers. They suddenly had to think about all the logistics of this and also shooting a show where you have a baby uh, all, all around all the time. That makes things way more complicated, of course. They probably wanted to write the baby off the show, but you could imagine that the baby is starving and we know there's other people out there. Maybe Javi takes the baby to be mm -hmm. taken care of somewhere else. And then, of course, that could lead to tensions uh, around that as well. Who took the baby, you know, could drive Shauna crazy. And there's other ways they could have disposed of the baby. And even if you want to have this specific thing, I can imagine this happening earlier in the episode. And then you have an episode that deals with this and more, more deeply. And maybe they will. Maybe they will next week have a more deeper investment in the themes and stuff that they raise here. But I felt to throw it in the end as a twist was cruel. And then especially with the cannibalism nightmare, like what was that? And of course, she's incredibly traumatized at the end. She's looking right at the camera at the very end saying, can't you hear him crying? Why can't you uh, hear him crying? Devastating. It's so devastating, right? Honestly, like just that one nightmare sequence with the cannibalism is like cheap shock tactics. And if you're trying to take this seriously, you're just 
messed it all up in my mind. I feel this show does every now and then do that kind yes, of campy yes. type of thing. And yeah. it's almost like the problem I had before the last cannibalism scene <laughs> of right. like, what tone are you trying to hit? Right. right, right <laughs> because exactly. you can't put them all together within the space of 15 minutes. <laughs> right. right. Like it's funny. It's campy. It's grim. Like right. it, even the show right. can be all those things, but not in the space of 15 minutes, please. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly the problem I have. Having a nightmare where you're seeing someone's eating your foot or something while you're sleeping or whatever could be a great shock if you want to keep people, startle people and wake them up and scare them. Sure. No problem. Do that. But if you're trying to align us with this traumatic experience, which once again, many women go through, unfortunately, in life, and you're trying to say something with this, don't throw that shock in there just for shock's sake. It's like, what is the point of any of that? It's like, the show really can't get away with that when they are expecting us to laugh at Misty. We're intercutting. It's as grim as things can be basically a minute later. And it's like you said, they're not pulling that off. And it's almost impossible to pull off, by the way. Right. And uh, they shouldn't right. even try it unless they're really, right. really adept at it. I, I do see that criticism and I agree with it. I guess in some ways it was a relief to not have to deal with the intensity of all of that for an hour straight or however long this episode was. So I do understand breaking it up in that way, but right. the tone shift is really jarring. In a way, it's a kindness, like you mentioned before, the idea of the baby being born and the relief of that, and then starving to death because right. they simply can't- Worse. She can't make, oh my God, not, so much worse. Th to yeah. watch the baby die over the course of a yeah. month, my God, that's the most traumatizing yeah. thing imaginable. I will say on a completely unrelated note, I feel like they should eat the placenta though. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> it's a very yeah. grim thing to think about, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's all calories. It's all calories. Right. And, and very nutrient-rich from what I understand. Yeah, it's true. All those minerals you lost during the pregnancy. So do you think they were trying to go for here some idea because Shauna was not accepting this wilderness God or whatever, the God did not allow the baby to live? It's possible that some of the of Lottie's followers are going to say that in the very next episode. I think that's actually a realistic read on things. I mean, I honestly, when the placenta came out first, I'm like, that baby's dead. Like, mm. it's just, and by the way, seeing that, considering they have like no medical expertise and they don't have you know, any anything. kind of medical equipment, yeah. anything, she's probably going to bleed to death. Of course, mm -hmm. we know she does not bleed to death because we know her in present tense. But I would not be surprised at all, to your point, that that's exactly what some of these girls are going to say. You never prayed with us in the morning. That's why that the wilderness took your baby. That's going right. to drive a wedge between her and the girls at the camp. Okay, some observations about the episode. Natalie is doing target practice outside and can't shoot. She forgot how to shoot. Oh my gosh, yes. She went from being such a good shot to really weak, I felt. This shouldn't have been that hard for her. I mean, maybe that's foreshadowing that she's going to... Remember how she struggled to get a shot off and then Ben coached her and then True. she was able to do it. So maybe this True. is foreshadowing. She'll have to shoot somebody before the end of the season. <laughs> okay. Some theories from the internet. I love this one has been going around for a really long time. Saracusa is the lost son. Finally, we can scratch that one off the menu. Right. I never brought it up yes. there. That was one of those theories that even if it was true, I don't think it is an interesting theory, but now we officially can scratch it off the list. Yes. Now here's one that I don't think I've mentioned this since the very first season when we did the season one recap, because I thought it was so obvious that it had been mentioned everywhere. But apparently I heard on another podcast where this was like a new theory to them. And then I did some Reddit research and people aren't talking about this, which for me, this is something that was pretty obvious, at least being familiar with this mythology. Sona, do you know the mythology of the Wendigo? Do you know the Wendigo? I don't. Oh, okay. There's a Native American mythology called the Wendigo. In popular culture, it is usually seen as this giant almost like a Yeti, but with mm -hmm. antlers. Mm -hmm. okay. However, that's only like in pop culture, like in cartoons and stuff, like in the popularization of this. The original mythology of the Wendigo is that it's a spirit and it's like a metaphor in Native American culture that you should never become obsessed with getting wealthy or greedy or wanting what other people have. What it does is supposedly lives in the woods and it has ice in its heart and it can enter a person and make them insatiably greedy and hungry mm -hmm. and turn them into cannibals. So oh. like I said, just given that the antler thing has become kind mm -hmm. of popular in the mm -hmm. past few decades in 
the mythology of this thing. Although once again, the original mythology, it's not even a physical being of any kind, but that's not how it's being represented recently. When I saw the original trailers for this, I'm like, oh, Wendingo, maybe it's about a Wendingo. And I thought that was like so innate to the mythology of the show that it was basically just taking that for granted. In case anyone else out there is not familiar with the mythology of the Wendingo, do check it out because maybe that's what this whole show is about. Interesting. <laughs> so you can just Wikipedia it. You'll, you'll get most of what you need to know. Mm -hmm. A couple of think thematic things that are happening that are very interesting, and maybe you can speak to this in more detail because of your experience with psych psychoanalysis. It's interesting when you think about how the suppression of the past has ruined all these people's lives, right? Where Shauna mm -hmm. has married Jeff. She says it here, out of the guilt she felt because mm -hmm. of what happened to Jackie, how she had a child to try to replace the child that she lost in the woods. And then how she allowed herself to be blackmailed because the blackmail is based around these suppressed secrets that she's so ashamed to you know, reveal. She even committed murder, as did Misty, by the way, murdered that journalist. Misty's been dragged into this thing as well. And then, of course, when she discovers that Jeff has read her diaries and now knows these things that she's locked away for all these years, it like rekindles their relationship. So she mm -hmm. should learn from that, that maybe this isn't the right way to approach this. But that's what everybody's doing here, right? Whether it is, um, you know, Lottie talking about how she has suppressed this and she's afraid of this thing coming back. In this same episode, I had many issues, obviously, with the way the pregnancy thing turned out. But I did think that they're really now circling in on this interesting theme of how Lottie trying to suppress this past and also Thaisa as well, right? That it, this is only making things worse and suppressing these things. They apparently never learn from their mistakes. It makes sense. I think it's very common for people generally to try and run away from their past and repress things that are upsetting to them, never mind something on this level. And I think it definitely makes sense as a teenager that you would think that that is a possible thing to do. You just put it behind you and move forward and everything's going to be fine and you're going to start over. You know, my personal experience is that it rarely works out that way, at least if you want to be a happy well-adjusted person. It's not going to work out that way. I think it's a very common coping mechanism. And I can certainly understand why a teenage girl would have that coping mechanism. And I do think you can outrun a lot of stuff for, for decades, but there will eventually come a time you are confronted with all the stuff you've been running away from, and you have to make a decision of whether to cope with it or not. And the type of person you want to be and the type of peace you want to have in your life and who you are. And it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. And I think everything you just described there is, I think, why the show is interesting, even as it kind of goes deeper into this supernatural side of the show, because it's everything you just said, minus the supernatural element, is what the show is dealing with, how they are avoiding it, running away from it, trying to pretend it wasn't there or that it was not the experience that it was in all those digressions now it's like the chickens are coming home to roost, right? I guess it's all coming back together and they can't run away from it anymore. Do they confront it and overcome it in some way? And I guess we'll find out. And another thing that I thought interesting here was uh, another way to deal with this potentially is living in this fantasy version of this past. And you have Van who keeps doubling right. down even though her business is losing money and right. she doesn't care. She likes it. She wants to pretend it's working out right and it's not and it's okay. And it's Shauna describing her relationship with Adam, right? Where she was hanging out in front of liquor stores and buying booze for kids, like literally reverting as much as she could mm -hmm, to being mm -hmm. a teenage, the teenage years that she missed out on. And the same thing, like trying to rewrite this past by living in some fantasy version of it didn't work out well there because people end up dead apparently with these girls do yes. not address their problems. Yeah. And that's about all I had. There was no scenes Preview. for next week. Yeah. yeah no, no scenes. Usually when there's no scenes, there's something big is going to happen. So I'm curious to see if that's the case here. Yep. And only three more episodes for the year, for the season. So things have got to start happening. <laughs> I have been enjoying it for the most part. I think that they've done a good job of of developing these themes. I hated <laughs> the cannibalism in this episode needlessly, yeah, which cheapened everything. I mean, honestly, especially considering how serious a topic this is. But overall, I did think this was really well done and... Uh, very curious to see how it, I mean, the girls are all together. Big stuff's going to have to happen now. Yep. We know it's getting another season, right? Or no? Yes. It's been renewed. Yep. So I'm not expecting any huge resolution. In fact, if anything, I'm expecting more questions to arise. My still prediction is that there's some kind of minds that were there 
that, I mean, I don't know if I've laid this out, but I, I think I've t- teased it a few times. I think that we see the melted snow. I think that there were some kind of mines under that area. There probably are a lot of metals there, which is what led to the birds crashing into, you know, probably lost their sense of direction. Mm-hmm. It's probably what crashed their plane also. And uh, there's probably people living not like ghosts in the woods. There's probably actual people who are living down there. And I think that's where Javi probably was as well. I mean, we haven't even been introduced to those groups of people uh, or individuals. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a giant. It's not going to be hundreds mm-hmm. of people, a couple of people who survived some previous encounter out there. Maybe that is where we end up, just being introduced to that group of people. Mm-hmm. In the present tense, there's going to have to be some kind of confrontation with this demon. And when I say that, I don't know if there's going to be a physical demon that's going to walk out of the woods. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think this is really going to be like happening in Lottie's mind and the girl's minds. And then we can still leave it open to interpretation as to how supernatural all of this is or whether it is some manifestation of their own trauma. I think that's what we'll probably see. Okay, let's find out. Yeah, exactly. All right, thank you for the conversation. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.